Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today we want to look at the Macedonian call and Paul's journey through Asia and Bithynia. Let's look at Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you speak your truths to us. Let us know your ways that we may rest in the knowledge that you are in control of all things, but also be in awe of you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. As they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia, standing there urging them and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I read this very short passage, two questions come to mind. Why did God prohibit Paul and his team from from preaching in Asia and from entering Bithynia? The second question was, in what ways, how did, did God communicate these prohibitions? The passage simply says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak and that the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go into Bithynia. But how did God speak to them? And how does God speak to us in our day? So let's look at the first question, why? Why did God stop them from preaching in Asia? There are very few clues about this, and uh, very little, in fact, that we know about why God would have stopped them from preaching in Asia. But one of the things about Paul was that he would go to very populated areas in the beginning. And that made sense because if you go to a very populated area, your audience is larger and you would then be more effective, more people to reach. That was God's purpose and that was Paul's purpose. And so Asia was largely a very prosperous place and also had large large cities and large populations. And... Um, it would have made sense. And there were also communities of Jews as well as Gentiles. These were fertile grounds for preaching. It would have made a lot of sense to preach there. Why then was Paul and his team forbidden from preaching? We see that this um, prohibition was temporary because eventually Paul did go to Asia. He preached especially in Ephesus where it was a powerful and yet um, tempestuous, to say the least, uh, ministry there. But as we read later in his epistle to the Ephesians, we see how much power the Ephesians had experienced as the gospel reached them. So Paul did eventually preach in Asia in a very powerful ministry. But perhaps by settling in these large these mega cities in Asia, Paul would have spent too much time there 
and would then have neglected other things that were now more pressing. It wasn't just that God didn't want Paul to preach in Asia. It was a matter of timing that God wanted Paul to preach in Macedonia first, before settling in Asia and preaching, staying there for a longer period to preach. So, God's, God had in mind that Paul would instead go on to Macedonia. Why Macedonia? Macedonians were very poor. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes about the Macedonian churches that they were the poorest of the poor. Perhaps God wanted to change Paul's paradigm. Sure, it's great to preach in mega cities because there are lots of people. But God also wanted Paul and the team and the Christians thereafter to know God's heart for the poor. And so rather than leaving them to spend a long time in Asia, God hurried them over to Macedonia. But there were also other factors in Macedonia that perhaps shows God's timing. For example, when Paul and Silas were jailed, there was an earthquake. Now let's not assume that God created the earthquake, but rather that the earthquake was about to happen because of earth movements and God knew that this was when the earthquake would take place. And so God had to hurry Paul and Silas over to Macedonia to be jailed, to experience a massive earthquake while they were in jail, and then to reach out to the jailer and his family, and then eventually to bring more to Christ. It could also have been that at that time, this lady, this rich lady, which we'll read about tomorrow, Lydia, was in Macedonia. There were few rich people. It was a poor, they were poor cities. But Lydia was influential. And perhaps God had designed that Paul would meet with Lydia, minister to her, be welcomed by her, and make a disciple of her so that she could continue that work in Macedonia. Whatever it was, Macedonia needed Paul, as we can see in that vision, and they needed Paul urgently to reach out to them. And so God may have delayed Paul's ministry to Asia temporarily so that he would hurry on to Macedonia and then later on come back to Asia to spend time there. But why prohibition from going to Bithynia? We read in Peter's epistles that Bithynia was evangelized by Peter, whether it was early before Paul went or after Paul went. But God had designed that Bithynia would be for Peter to reach out to. And it was Paul's philosophy, it was God's philosophy, that they would not water in the places that had been watered, they would not plant in places that already had been planted by someone else. Peter, in his epistles, shows a familiarity with the cities in Bithynia. It's as though he was a large part of the life of Bithynia. And so God had carved out this ministry for Peter and would not have Paul then do that work. God had other work for Peter. Now as we look back then at the way God stopped Paul from preaching in one place so that he could be rushed over to another place, 
and to stop him from being in some other place so that another apostle could do the work there. We begin to understand that God is the master planner, the master strategist. It's really a beautiful picture of how God sees the work of different individuals and different churches and how God designs these things in a wonderful way. It's also very reassuring when God does these things. You know, sometimes as a church we feel overwhelmed. We feel like we are a small church. The reality is that size is no indicator of our obedience to God. It could be that God wants us to remain small. There are many advantages to being a small church because it is, um, it is more intimate, deeper friendships. But on the other hand, our small size could also have been our fault, that we were negligent in reaching out, that we did not care to go out or dare to go out into the community. Size alone doesn't tell us whether it was God's will or it was our size is God's will or our size is because of our own fears and, and disobedience and disinterest that we have to seek search our hearts to know but the truth then is that God does have plans and intentions for various churches and for different people that's really very reassuring to me as well seeing ourselves in the middle of Taman Jurong and wondering what we are here for. And reading this passage allows me to know that the master planner has plans for our church. What we need is to listen to God. Some years ago, while I was still at Barker Road, I heard that in our outreach point, Oasis in Bukit Batok, that another somewhat mega church was settling, was was beginning its foray into Bukit Batok. And a chill and an anxiety hit me. I mean, when you look at it, it's irrational, right? We are all part of God's family. One church and another, we should be working together. But in these days, when we are more influenced by corporate takeovers and by mega churches swallowing up small churches, which is a reality, that when there's a huge church in your neighbourhood, you feel very threatened because you don't know when you'll just be swallowed up and disappear as a church. Just like corporate takeovers. And I was very anxious when I heard that this large church was settling in Bukit Batok and would provide huge competition against our fledgling work in Oasis. But when we think again and sit back and realise how God has planned and assigned people to different ministries, how God took Bithynia and said, Peter, this is your job, and then took Macedonia and says to Paul, now Paul, this is your job. I realized then that I can rest a lot more. Not rest as in doing nothing, but rest as in having a peace of heart and then focusing on asking God the more important question, what do you have for us? where we are. And not worry about whether this church will steal our sheep or whether this church will overwhelm us. It doesn't matter at all because God is fully in charge as the strategist. But that leads me to the next question. How then do we hear God? 
How then did Paul hear God? The passage is not explicit about it and really we can't guess. It simply says that the Holy Spirit forbade them to preach and then they forbid, he forbade them from entering Bithynia. Now it's easy to explain that when Holy Spirit forbade uh, Paul and his team from entering Bithynia, it could well have been circumstantial, right? Things that could have been roadblocks, uh, the weather, the government, whatever it is. Perhaps Paul could not enter the region of Bithynia because of circumstances and then he knew that it was because of the Spirit of God. But that's hard to explain for the first part where it says the Holy Spirit forbade Paul from preaching in Asia because Paul did pass through Asia. He did go through the city of Asia just that he wasn't allowed by the Holy Spirit to preach there. Now it had to be something clearer than just opposition because Paul is so accustomed to opposition that if even if the so people stopped him from opening his mouth, he would happily go and open his mouth and preach the gospel because such was Paul so filled with the Holy Spirit and so filled with zeal. So the Holy Spirit would have, must have talk, spoken to Paul in such a clear way. Well, it wasn't a vision either because later on when God, the Holy Spirit asked, uh, called Paul to go to Macedonia, he had a vision. And the fact that Paul didn't mention a vision, I can only guess that it was very likely the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Now God speaks to us in many ways. One of the ways is by prophets. Remember when prophets came to tell the people, the, the church, about a famine in Jerusalem. God had appointed prophets to speak. God speaks through visions as we see peppered throughout the book of Acts, how God speaks through visions. God speaks also through God-fearing, God-loving, holy people who listen to each other. When Paul, when Peter was first, first encountered the Holy Spirit coming upon the Gentiles through Cornelius, he had a powerful story to tell. And so as Peter told the story, the church in Jerusalem, including Paul, heard it and it resonated with them. God uses godly, other godly people to speak into our lives. We need to listen. We need to discern. We don't swallow everything they give us. But we need to listen and discern. But very often God also speaks to us through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit tells us what to do. Now some of you are not accustomed to that, so let me try to explain a little of this. Sometimes the Spirit speaks through clear, audible voice, sometimes through even seeing things. But more often than not, He just tells us through how we feel and what we describe vaguely as inner witness, something like a prompting, something that tells us it is correct. Of course, the obvious question is, how do I know it's from God and not from me? Well, it comes with practice, it comes with walking with God. Initially, at the beginning, of course, it always feels like um, it could be me, it could be God. So throw a dice, 50-50, maybe it's God, maybe it's me. But over time, we begin to recognize that voice. Jesus says, my sheep recognize, my sheep know my voice. 
And after a while, you begin to realize the inner witness, whether it is an inner a fear response that says, don't do it because I'm afraid, or do it because I'm ambitious, or whether it is the Holy Spirit prompting us to do something. You begin to get a feel that when you feel an urge to do something, whether it comes from your own desires, your own fears, or whether it comes from the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It comes with journeying with God and knowing when there is peace in your heart. The way I do it often is that whenever I feel a prompting, then I pause and I talk to God and I ask God, God, how does this work? Is this really what you want me to do? Is it just my guilty feelings pushing me? Is it me telling myself to do something? Or is it really from God? And then as I wait, I feel a sense of peace. Sometimes I feel an urgency that I know doesn't come from me. And sometimes we can't even afford to take time. We just have to step out and respond. I remember one time when I was at a seminar. Oh, I, I can't remember whether I told you this story or some other church. But I was at a seminar when the Holy Spirit prompted me to apologize to the speaker. for The speaker was someone I knew who had authority over me and I resented him a lot. And I bad-mouthed him. I, I did all sorts of things against him behind his back. And at that seminar, the Holy Spirit just said to me, Ming Li, go say sorry. And I was like, man, God, you must be kidding. First of all, this man is talking. What do you expect me to do? Second of all, this is a huge seminar. You expect me to go down and say sorry. And then at the break, it was just a five-minute break when the speaker said, well, let's just take a break, a five-minute break. And the Holy Spirit said, here's your chance. Five minutes, just go down. And I said, no, he's busy. He needs to rest. He needs to take a drink. There are lots of people talking to him. And there was a prompting in me that said, no one's talking to him. He's not taking a drink. He's there for you. And I was like, God, no, not like that. And I felt like the Holy Spirit saying, go and say sorry. And so I plucked up my courage, which needed a lot of plucking up. And I walked down and I said to the speaker, sir, I'm sorry for these years of resisting you and resenting you. And then we embraced and, and we became friends. Eventually we became friends. Five minutes, just a split second to respond to the Holy Spirit. But I'm glad I did. And I'm glad too that I recognized that as the voice of the Holy Spirit and not some crazy me, guilt-ridden, telling myself to do something silly. But over time, I've known that it is very possible for God to guide us and to speak to us. It's not just for special people, it's for all of us to hear God speak to us. God very likely spoke to Paul and all his team members that they would not preach in Asia, and they would pass by Bithynia. But God also speaks through visions, and sometimes visions are very helpful because they give us pictures of what God wants us to do. In this case, God spoke to God spoke to Paul through a vision of a Macedonian man calling for help. The sense of urgency convinced the team that this was certainly something they had to do. And so they rushed over to Macedonia, um, made no more delays, went straight to Macedonia. To minister there. God speaks to us also in many visions 
And it is time that we stop to allow God to speak to us in such ways. Because as the Lord speaks to us in visions, these visions seal the truth of God deep into our hearts. You know, sometimes when God speaks to us through inner witness, they are very immediate things, the temporary things, they pass on fast. Sometimes we forget after we have done it. Visions are different. When we see a vision, it burns itself into our minds. Often it becomes just burnt there, indelible. And some of the visions that God has shown me, and I tell you there's not many, five, six maybe in my entire life, but each time God gave me a vision, He burnt it deep into my heart, into my consciousness, that each time I'm discouraged, I remember the visions that I've seen, and I know then that God is at work to fulfill His promises. But now back to the purpose of agape. First of all, God may have burnt visions into some of the minds and the eyes of the hearts of some of our leaders and our pioneers. We want to listen to them. We want to know what these visions were, these inspirations of the Holy Spirit are. But we, as we continue, we also need to listen to the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts. And one of the most important things is that we have to pray. We can't be just agitating and saying we've got to make full use of our rooms. Sure we do. We've got to do something now that we're in Taman Jurong. Sure we do. Sometimes even the word of fear, we are, we've got competition coming. We better do something fast. Maybe, maybe not. But instead of these reactions, we need most of all to be still and to plead with God to show us, to open our eyes, to stop us from our blindness, to open our eyes to see what He wants for our church. And this is what I appeal to all church members. Take an interest in where we are, and perhaps then God will speak more clearly to us as to who we are in this place. A couple of months ago, um, no, it wasn't even a couple of months, it was quite recent because I was already in Agape. I met up with um, Tan, Tan Lai Yong, the missionary in China, and Go Wei Leong, who was heading HealthServe. HealthServe used our church premises for a while to build the clinic for the foreign workers. And so I had a chat with both of them, and to my surprise and to my shame, actually, embarrassment, they displayed so much knowledge of this place. I mean, they knew who, where different places were, the demographics of Taman Jurong, where, and different things about this place. And I was like, how on earth do you know these, place, these things? And they said, well, we were here, we were serving here for a while. And then I changed the subject because I was too shy to tell them that I knew hardly anything about Taman Jurong. Maybe I knew where to eat and where our church was, but I didn't know the details of Taman Jurong the way they did. They were familiar with this place. And being familiar, they knew what God was doing in this place. And I know then that I will both need a conversation with them again to find out more. But more than that, to visit these, this place in Taman Jurong to observe, to understand what Taman Jurong is all about and then perhaps to know what our church is to this place. 
But you see, we need to take a serious look at where we are to understand our position and our place in this area. It comes with a passion to know God's will for us. It comes with prayer, much prayer, asking God to reveal to us. And so maybe it's true that our small size is a large part of our problem too. Perhaps we have not really been interested in knowing what God's plan is. I may be wrong, I may be very wrong about this. I hope that I am. But if I'm not wrong, and if I'm correct in saying that we have not even known this place, then my hope is that we'll begin to understand Taman Jurong, whether it is to take prayer walks, maybe it's just to walk around and know the place. Maybe it's even in reading up about the place or asking others what this place is all about, where the churches are, what the churches are doing, what the needs of the people are. And as we understand that more, we will then be able to know also what God is leading us to. I pray then that this will be the way we approach our area in Taman Jurong. But above all, to know that God is sovereign, this master planner of our God has plans for each of us individually and as a church. And as we learn to listen to Him and yearn to know His will and His plans, God will surely reveal to us what He has assigned for us. Let us pray. Father, to some of us, it seems like we only have 10 years left and it's urgent. Well, it is. God, we've known you to do things in, in the blink of an eye. Jesus served for three years. He made all the difference. We've seen others who have served for much shorter periods and you have made a difference through their lives. And so, Lord, we don't want to worry about our tenure in Taman Jurong, whether it's going to be 10 years, whether it's going to be extended to another many years. But we do want you to change our hearts and to speak to us and to tell us about our place in Taman Jurong, that we will earnestly seek you because you have placed us here for a purpose and we do want to know your purpose for us. And so God, teach us to really seek you, to seek your plans for us at Taman Jurong. For you are that great master planner and you have assigned us, allotted us a place in this area. We pray then that as we earnestly seek your ways, we pray especially for this Saturday as the leaders meet to talk and to pray about this, that you will start that journey for us of understanding where we are and who we are to this place that you have put us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, I hope that I've given you some things to think about. Have a blessed day and God bless you. Goodbye.